Tim Joyce, we're back. We're back. Hey, hey. How are you, man? We've and reconnected. We're both. Um, I know we are. Our fans and followers have been missing us. We missed last week. We missed a couple of weeks, you know, during uh, Vive and all that craziness. Um, but we made right. it. I know you had a big day. Your first official, you know, public earnings report. So hence, I see you're dressed up. Um, right. And I'm in, and I'm in Chiberia, but we, you know, as I think Garber called it, I'm Chica- in Chicago for those, you know, Chiberia. In Chicago. Cold. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah. So awesome. My first one today and still recording. So, which is good. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, we health beacon issued. So yeah, we issued our full year 2021 results. So this is a whole difference between a private company and a public company now. Um, so we had to get on calls with analysts and do all that. Uh, earnings and announcements and it's all good good receptivity stock prices awesome. moving a bit okay hbcn okay. is for the for the for the viewers is the stock price <laughs> awesome awesome um so it, it's chicago it's, it's, you're you're at an investor conference aren't you uh yes it's met city news uh invest conference um i was moderating this morning a panel on mental health uh where i actually got to meet um naomi uh from bright health they just raised about 100 million bucks um amazing what they're doing um interestingly enough here at the conference uh and you know kudos uh thank you for inviting me uh uh is a editor-in-chief so i it's a it's a I, I enjoy, you know, the people and, um, and, and the content. Um, I think it, it's interesting that, you know, some of the smaller ones, you can, can just, you know, get to really get to know people. But uh, one quick note, just like, uh, you know, Euronext was getting aggressive um, in, in Europe. Um, there was right. a Toron- Toronto Stock Exchange here uh, presenting on Ooh. how to, for a private company to become on Toronto Stock Exchange. So uh, just, you know. Yeah. Uh, so... They've always been aggressive. Toronto has always yeah. been super, you know, a lot of people go up there to list and, you know, it's an it's interesting market. Um, so, excellent. Yeah, I, I, I was never <laughs> following that. Um, so anyway, let's let our awesome guest in. Um, so hey. Sun, Sandeep, uh, who I've known now for, gosh, you won't let me lie, probably a decade or so, right, Sandeep? Roughly, decade, hey. probably, probably longer even, I would say. I think, I think that's about right. Uh, when you were a mentor for us at uh, Blu- Blueprint Health. Blueprint Health, yeah. And I, I just for the first time in uh, literally like a decade, I just finally saw Brad Weinberg at Brad Yeah, Vibe. yeah, 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 I, yeah I, me yeah, too. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even kind of recognize him. And uh, Matt Farkash, uh, I don't know, I haven't seen him in a while. But anyway. First of all, before we let you introduce, uh, I don't know if you know Jim, Jim Sandeep, Sandeep Jim. Yeah, you know, Jim, we met informally with Marty, I think at Hell 2.0 or at Hims way back when. And then I think we, we finally connected on LinkedIn through Eugene and, uh, you know, with Clubhouse and all that craziness that happened in 2020. Yeah, yeah, no, I've seen your, you know, avatar. And I know, I remember that time we met, you know, through all roads lead back to Marty. So absolutely <laughs> fantastic to be with you. I love your frame on your photo. It's, it's uh, accidental. You know. It's accidental. So this, so, so this has all happened, uh, you know, during COVID. I had a camera laying around, so I didn't have any to use so it just kind of crops it that way so people just assume <laughs> it's like a frame to cover up my background <laughs> oh it, it's, well, it, it's fantastic i like it first one yeah, for absolutely, us absolutely fantastic shot. well del- 
delighted to have you on the shot of digital health. Yeah, I feel and, like I finally made it in my entrepreneurship, uh, you know, <laughs> endeavors. Now that I'm talking to you both. <laughs> right, right. It's a, it's, it's a low bar. <laughs> and it's meticulously but, unproduced. So, however your frame looks, we don't, we don't, right. we don't really care as long no, as we no can judge. see and hear you. But um, so, for the no, mil- millions of viewers, listeners, as we always <laughs> kick it off, we want to get to know you. Uh, you know, I kind of look at you as this, you know, trailblazer clinician that adopted Health 2.0, digital health, as one of the early, uh, early adopters, right? So, maybe take us through kind of your journey, um, and then we'll we'll interrupt all the time. So, sure, yeah, you know, and 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 I actually shared this with Mike Vasily and his podcast a couple, I think, like last year, just you know, during COVID times. And you know, people always ask me, colleagues that I trained with, you know, how do you do what you're doing now? Because I want to do this now, or you know, and it's just a uh, totally unconventional, unpredictable. You know, I wasn't planning on doing this at all when I started pre med, med school, all the stuff <laughs> you normally do. Uh, But yeah, you know, short, you know, long story short, it was uh, due to family illness, became a caregiver by accident and, you know, basically got off that train of that training that you get on from undergrad, med school, and then residency. Um, My wife was already in, you know, her residence at the time. So basically uh, having to take care of a mom, mother-in-law, brother-in-law, two of them were diagnosed with cancer. My mom had uh, elevated ESR levels, which they could never tell for what reason it was, but it led to high dose steroids um, as a therapy. And then which led to uh, avascular necrosis and then bilateral hip replacements, you know, in her fifties. <laughs> so all wow. of this happened in a period of about two years. Right. And then during that time, uh, you know, we had our daughter, I convinced my wife, uh, we would never go see a movie. So, you know, typical guy stuff, I built a home theater in our basement just as a hobby and people would come over and say, Oh, who did this for you? I'm like, Oh, I just did it myself. And, you know, before I knew it, I was helping some friends and family put systems together. And then long story short, I ended up meeting a builder here in Maryland who was, um, you know, doing about eight to 10 of these basement remodels uh, a month. And a lot of his customers were asking about how to do entertainment rooms. And, and so I was just designing these things and helping him, uh, basically giving him the equipment to put in. And, and, and before long, I started making more money doing that than, you know, finishing up my residency. <laughs> so wow. took a, took a break, uh, you know, kind of my wife, my, my scores were good, going to, you know, for seven years. And if I mess this up, I can go back and finish my residency and, you know, uh, get a job as a doctor. <laughs> so uh, that never wow. happened. So, you know, I did that. And then we ended up actually building a commercial network of uh, ad based TVs on top of gas pumps. You know, we're really early, early on partnered with a company wow. called Pump Media. And so that's how I found out, you know, what it was to build a company. You know, I didn't even know what entrepreneurship was when this happened, Eugene. So it was just, you know, you don't, you're on this, you have blinders on and focused on your career path. And uh, you know, if that, if that, you know, family situation didn't arise, uh, you know, I would have been doing what all my other friends do now, which is, you know, working at a health system or in practice. Right. And, uh, but fortunately during that event, uh, in, in med school, I did get to a flavor of what you could do with your medical training outside of clinical medicine. So, you know, everybody takes their board review exams, right? Step one, step two, step three. And, uh, there's the one board review everyone still uses step one for the boards, um, are one of my classmates made an MP3 of himself talking through the book so he could listen to it while he was working out and, you know, started to sell copies of this to other students. And then he thought he was going to get in trouble for copyright violation. So he we, sent we the should, CD off. To, yeah, we should ahead. get him on Dan Kendall's, you know, that he's like, sounds like this guy was an early <laughs> podcaster without knowing that he yeah. was a podcaster. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So he sent this uh, CD off to the publishers thinking, Hey, is it okay? And two weeks later, he gets a job offer because the guys that started that book sold the rights to a publishing company. We're building an e-learning platform 
and for looking right. for med students that knew how to do this stuff, right? Like, you know, who knew back then that like, you could make MP3s wow. and all that stuff, right? So he was in Santa Monica for two weeks, then he called me and said, hey, we need help. And that was amazing, right? For six weeks, they hired cheap medical students as labor, as cheap labor uh, to validate the content. And, and so we were using a platform called Digital Lava that took um, PowerPoint slides with text and audio so you could listen here and read along with the content to help you learn faster. And the idea was medschool.com was a place you can go and take independent learning classes rather than pay for a six week long or two week long you know, course, which costs thousands of dollars. So that we spent that, that little six weeks wow. paid off because uh, you know, what happened was you know, when the recession happened, we ended up shutting down that media company. And uh, Steve Smith, who started Medscape along with Peter Frischoff hired me at MD Links. So that's where I got back into healthcare. And he told me later, it was because I had that you know, four week time or six week time building the e-learning platform <laughs> that, that distinguished me from other doctors that he talked to. So that's how wow. I got back into healthcare and then was at Mandy Links and then, you know, met Matthew and Indu at the health, health 2.0 event in DC at Kaiser Permanente, where I think it was the first year of Datapalooza where Todd Park and the team, Aman Bandari was actually a judge at the Datapalooza event that we were part of the health 2.0. And the challenge was, you know, use open government data to build something to solve obesity. So I had some idea based on research that I was seeing coming across, you know, the, the work we were doing at MD Links and, you know, took some pieces of elements of BJ Fogg's behavior theories on using, you know, short changes to drive larger changes and um, looking at uh, outcomes from, you know, smoking cessation programs and, you know, diabetes prevention programs and, you know, Voxiva, Text for Baby, all this stuff was happening like early 2009, 2007. And so showed up, had an idea, didn't even know what a hackathon was and wrote it, wrote my idea on a board. Two hours later, four people came up and said, let's build it. And then when we pitched it the next day, we won third place in a thousand bucks. So the, so because we, so basically the idea we came up with was, you know, build daily healthcare challenges that come from your doctor to the patient as a text message. So when you leave your doctor's office, right, rather than them telling you, Hey, go home, eat better and exercise, see you in six months. Now you have some guidance. So, and that guidance is in the form of a daily challenge that keeps you motivated and helps you achieve those uh, goals. So for example, uh, we looked at uh, open government data sets for, there's actually a nutrition database, a farmer's market database. There was amazing sources of information like weather data. So we combine right. all of that into targeted uh, challenges. So for example, uh, if, if uh, I was your doctor, Jim, I would say, hey, Jim, you know, I challenge you to eat something purple today. Hopefully you had an eggplant right. at home, you'd cook it, say, okay, if you didn't, or you didn't respond positively, our <coughs> challenge would be, I challenge you to add eggplant to your shopping list, right? So that's how we kind of built these behavior models. Wow. And, and so everyone said, hey, you guys should actually build this thing. It actually, you know, could, you know, could work. Um, so, you know, as a hackathon, everybody goes away, right? Back to their day jobs. But because we won the uh, third place, we got to go to the Data Palooza conference. And I went to the session on the pioneering ACOs who were presenting their outcome data. This is, remember, the first nine health systems that were doing the CMI innovation models. And so the moderator was Atul Gawande. So the room was packed. And I happened to right. sit next to this gentleman who was um, starting his own ACO in San Antonio. And he, he basically said, you know, we started chit-chatting before the start of the session, asked me what I was doing, told him about the hackathon. And I showed him what we built. And he looks at me, he goes, can I buy this from you? I'm like, what, are you serious? He goes, yeah, you know, we have a lot of Hispanic patients that are diabetic patients uh, in our patient population. And, you know, we'd love to engage with them using the texting what? protocols. And I was like, you're kidding me. So in literally three days, we took an idea, built an MVP and found a customer. <laughs> That's unbelievable. What was, what, yeah. what, what, what was it called? Because I think around the same time, there was this company earned it, I think it was like the early days. Yeah. yeah. I forget. The, so this was, the this, was, this was 
completely, you know, just built on behavior, right? It was an, it was just the idea was just to see how we can drive engagement with patients and their doctors. Eugene, it wasn't uh, built on a, a kind of like a, you know, like a payment model or, you know, that could have possibly been something that it evolved to, but, you know, I, I, I ran into Amon uh, later on at the conference said, Hey, you know, how do you help these uh, hackathon ideas that come out that could be viable? <laughs> he said, well, we haven't right. figured that part out yet. Right. You know, health to pilot right. at the time was just focused on bringing all of these different people together who weren't normally in the same room to help, yep. you know, come up with these ideas. And luckily he had put me in touch with Matt and Brad. So that's how I met uh, the, the blueprint guys, uh, Eugene. So, uh, you right. know, Got it. Yeah, and, so, and then you built, so you that's built where I started getting to know that. you. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what happened was when I shared what happened with Matt and Brad, they loved the idea, the fact that we had a potential customer it was validated everything the blueprint looks for in their company, except I had just missed their cutoff for their second cohort of companies in, that was starting in the, the summer of 2012. And so they gave me two choices. I could either reapply for January 2013, which is their winter cohort with this idea and you know, what we worked on at the hackathon, or if I promised not to work on my idea, but wanted, they asked if I could come and mentor those companies that were in their class for six weeks because none of them had a medical person on their team. So I took all my vacation time at MD Links, went to uh, New York, and then never went back. <laughs> That's basically what happened. Wow. And so, you know, at the end of my six weeks, four of the companies there asked me to come on board as their co-founder, and I joined the team at HRS Health Recovery Solutions, where we started one of the first CHF readmission platforms. Um, and yeah, signed Hackensack University as our first client after Blueprint. You, you wow. know, it's interesting, and I think this this was also something to Brad, and you know, as one of the earlier accelerators, uh, I think one of the first. Um, second, yeah, fact, it was it was just second. Rock Health and those yeah, guys, yeah. That's right, that's right. Um, <clears throat> I, I think you know just the foresight of having because right, I mean, there's so many uh, companies that were spun up around that time by a bunch of techies, right, and not all, uh, but that clinical aspect and rigor to getting this moving you know, as we talk about kind of evidence um, in, in digital health. So I think that was good foresight. And, you know, you took the leap, right? Um, no, absolutely. And, you know, if I hadn't gone to that, you know, hackathon, and it was funny, um, you know, Steve Jobs always says there's difference between dreamers and doers, right? It's like one of the questions that people always ask me today, you know, so my, my question back to them is, you know, how much risk are you able to take? Like, what's your right. risk tolerance? Are you, are you willing to give up your six-figure salary and, and jump in and not make money for 20 months, right? Or whatever, how long it takes. Right. So, right. so yeah, it, was, it wasn't, uh, but, you know, it was, it was great to have that support network and uh, being connected into that, you know, that shared experience with other entrepreneurs that were, you know, in that with you, right? So, you know, having right. uh, somebody that can understand what you're going through, talk to them, bounce ideas off. It's unique when you're starting something from scratch and having that ecosystem around you. And yeah, it was a great experience. And, you know, it was, it was amazing six weeks uh, being around some super passionate, smart folks, you know, working on some important problems. And, and it, yeah, it was, it was, a, you know, I feel kind of grateful you, that that happened. And Sandeep, how do you, like, so just listening to you kind of walk through probably like, I feel like it was 20 years of experience <laughs> there, it just ran through. But how, how do you, when you look at the risk, it seems like you're quite prone, you're, you're quite comfortable. Like, hey, if the, you know, if, if, if God throws you a path, you know, you kind of run with it. Is that how you look at it or? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, I wouldn't, if anybody had asked me if I was an undergrad or high school, like, you know, it was not something, you know, until you're faced with the gym, I guess the best answer, like no one plans to do that. Right. But some people right. are motivated by, you know, their own independent challenges or, uh, you know, something that they know they have to fix. Right. I mean, that's, that's the common thing I've seen in a lot of folks that have started these companies that we were with and, and through blueprint got to meet, you know, some extraordinary people, and, you know, speaking of Blueprint, Eugene, like, you know, they're, you know, um, 
uh, eye for companies and value that they're creating. It's amazing. Like I think something like 80% of blueprint companies are still around today after 10 years. So it's pretty amazing wow. what those guys did in the early days of finding the right kind I of did not know problems that to work on. Yeah. Wow. And a lot of them have been acquired too. You know, um, you know, I'm, sh I'm sure you've seen the, the, a lot of the releases of the, you know, the, the events that blueprint companies have gone through. I think, you know, Jean, yeah, I remember like Rubicon, surgery was, yeah, yeah. yeah. Touch yeah. surgery in, in the UK, you know, John, those guys were blueprint, right. I think in the third class. Right. And so, and so then how do we get to Bioformis? <laughs> no, it's been fun, right? So the, I spent the last 10 years. So, you know, having worked, remember, I didn't go to New York to start a company. It was just a mentor. So my wife was literally after three years going back and forth to New York, you got to pick your company, your family, because we had, you know, our, our other daughter at the time. And so after we signed Hackensack, we were in a good place. So I, you know, I basically told the guys, look, you know, I'm sorry, but, um, I got to go back to Maryland. <laughs> and so that's what happened. So I live in Maryland. Everyone thinks I'm in New York because I spend so much time there. Uh, okay. But yeah, fortunately, one of the one of the, the, the people that I got to meet while I was uh, at Blueprint was Bob Stern. So uh, Bob had just sold um, MedPage today to Everyday Health and was looking to, you know, kind of build on that experience they had starting that. And so MedPage, what they did was uh, create um, the opportunity for doctors to earn CME credit by reading consumer information that you would get from like the New York Times, CNN. So when patients walked into your doctor's office, you weren't you know, surprised by an article if the patient referenced, say, hey, doc, you know, I want to get on this drug or you know, be on this therapy they saw in the, in the news. A lot of times doctors were behind you know, keeping up the journal articles. So, so it was a, you know, MedPage served that purpose. So you could get that same content but get CME credit by reading it on MedPage. So that idea of using CME was a great, great way to get engagement. And so one of the things that we learned at HRS was how can we, um, well, one of the things we kept getting asked by medical directors <laughs> was it's great that we're solving this readmission problem, but you know, we have a bigger issue, which is how do we make sure that you know, doctors and nurses and our clinical teams are doing the right things upfront to prevent this from happening. So which was kind of like the education component. So when you know, Rob reached out to me after I stepped out of HRS, and you know, he asked me about you know what they're doing. I said, "Look, I don't know anything about CME, but this is where I think there's a really interesting opportunity." So remember, this was still in the early days of quality metrics, uh, doctors, um, you know, value uh, in terms of their total quality measures were essentially put on a big TV screen in the doctor's lounge, so you can see a number, right? Or how good or bad you were, but there was no way to get you better. There was nothing to. So it was a very similar right. kind of idea, right? So I said, Bob. What do you think about this? What if we looked at those quality measures and then were able to provide CME content to help you improve? And essentially modeled after back in 2009, the Institute of Medicine wrote this report on a, on a learning healthcare system, which was how do you leverage digital data, EMR information to build this continuous loop on you know, learning from individual doctor performance or clinical team performance and close those knowledge gap and improve outcomes for patients, right? So this kind of big um, model and I think we had a, you know, kind of key components to address that. So in order to scale that, fortunately, this was around the same time. So yeah, so I ended up uh, jumping on the team with Bob and at the time uh, they just got accepted into Startup Health. So we went from, I went from Blueprint to Startup Health. So it kind of followed that ecosystem, right? So I kind of look wow. at it as, you know, going from high school to college to grad school in terms of the scale and size <laughs> of the companies that Startup Health invested in, they were a little bit more mature, you know? And so um, it was funny, you know, so having seen the different models, right? We had the 12 week intense kind of mentorship at Blueprint and Startup Health was more kind of like a long-term horizon to give you, you know, quarterly check-ins, you know, how do you scale and build companies? So it was a different scale and size of where you were in the stage of your companies. Right. Um, so it was really interesting to get both perspectives going from Blueprint to Startup Health. 
but you know, they're, the team there was great. You know, Unity and Steven built a great kind of platform to help find and scale this company. So we were at, I think we were in the third or second class, a third or fourth class at uh, Startup Health when Bob uh, joined at, at Point of Care. Right. Um, yeah. So that's so. So we we were you know set out to to use uh, CME content as a way of driving outcomes. And so that was around the same time that IBM Watson opened up their AI platform for outside partners. And so we applied, we had a great use case, and we, we met some of the key criteria that the IBM team was looking for, which is, you know, do we have a use case? Do we have a value proposition? And how quickly can we build a trained AI model? <laughs> and okay. because we had our CME content that Bob's legacy company had, we were able to combine all of those and went through their validation program and actually launched a, a product uh, that combined the Watson AI tool with our CME content. So within 30 seconds now, doctors can ask on our app a clinical question and get an answer that's evidence-based. And more importantly, gives them the chance to earn CME credits over the course of their you know, 24 months, you can accumulate uh, a significant okay. amount of CME. And so that's so, what, yeah. So that, that's what led us to, to launch that company and, and you know, work with pharma companies to empower that medical education of that. Okay. And so then done just a quick, so, so then that was, then you joined Bioformus? Yep. So I'm getting there. So, so the reason I'm mentioning those two things, is, right. So it was uh, the, the clinical readmission work plus the AI. And then the yep. last couple of years spent work time uh, building virtual care models. So what Bioformus, the opportunity of Bioformus, so, you know, I had kind of heard of Bioformus in the periphery for the last couple of years and always thought of them more on the pharma side of the world, in which they were, right? They started about six years ago. Uh, by, by the way, Cindy, yep. sorry to interrupt. Uh, I, sh I should have just grab, grabbed uh, uh, J-Dev. He's here at the conference. Wait, are you serious? Where yeah, so I'm at the, I'm, I'm in Chicago, Med City. Uh, oh, it's Invest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, J-Dev's at yes. Invest conference. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so that's right. So, yeah. So if you have his right, number, so... tell, tell him to come to the bar and he'll <laughs> say hello. I, I don't have his number. So. Yeah, right. I don't know. I don't know what his schedule is. Oh, my God, that's so funny. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. So Kuldeep and J-Dev and Malik uh, started by a forum as helping to build desert biomarkers and work with pharma companies. And then about 14 months ago, started to validate that those uh, biomarkers, so the algorithms, the general algorithm underlying the work that the team was building started to identify deterioration in patients outside of the four disease areas that they're looking for and then went through the FDA validation as a software as a device and so that analytics engine now which we call our biovitals index uh, is able to identify patient deterioration in a disease agnostic way and that's important because we use continuous biovitals uh, data sources so either a patch or a wearable that is you know sharing you know key biovitals uh, biometric information and it became apparent that that uh, index could be utilized for complex patients uh, for shifting care out of the hospital. So it just kind of aligned with COVID uh, where you know, there was work already being done with that model at Brigham and Women's uh, of using the biometric uh, platform, the, the BioVitals Index. And so in partnership with Brigham and Women's, they created kind of like the hospital home acute care program uh, that allows now you to shift complex care uh, from the hospital setting into the home setting uh, using the index as an early warning system, if you will. So you can scale this without the resources required to manage complex patients, right? So we'd help to deliver these programs using our pl platform. And so that's what that's what uh, led me to, to, to Bioformistry is that it kind of uh, encompasses everything I've been working on for the last 10 years in, in right. one spot that combines that clinical aspect plus the, you know, the AI tools and now how do you scale that virtual care delivery um, you know, to, to patients in the home? So, so quick fact, quick fact here. 
quick fact. So Bioformis, right? So Bioformis is, so is Singapore, at, do you, like it was Singapore originally, right? Yep. The, you know, and then they relocated to Boston. Boston that's right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So then, um, so we share like early days, the, the, the SGI, the Singaporean, like the government of Singapore, uh, made an investment in Bioformis and Health Week in my company. Oh, that's amazing. Time. I didn't know that. So early I, on. I um, didn't know either. I learned something new about you finally, <laughs> Jim Joyce. We're the only, yeah, we're the only uh, company that um, got both the Irish government and the Singaporean government to invest at the same time in a, in, a, in a project. But there, but we got to know the Singapore. Have you spent time in Singapore? No, no, not yet. I've only been here, honestly, for four months. So it feels like I've been here okay. for a long, but it's been amazing, right, to see all the, the tools we have. And, you know, I'm, I'm actually focused right now on helping grow our uh, you know, our, our opportunities in the care delivery side. So we, there's two verticals. We have the therapeutic side of the business and then we have the care side of the business. So I'm, you know, on the care side right now, but it's been interesting. There's some, you know, obviously with where things are heading, I'm sure there's going to be some overlap between how, you know, therapeutics and pharma starts to play a role in the care side as well. So it'll be interesting what happens in the next couple of years. And uh, it's actually been fascinating to hear now how the, the tools are actually being used and the care models are actually being uh, you know, um, utilized to, to drive better outcomes. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw yesterday, but, you know, um, we have a partnership with Discovery Health in South Africa. The CEO of Discovery Health actually shared a, a really compelling patient story. And it's great to hear because a lot of the Bioformis team, you know, it's international um, and a lot of them don't get to see the end product, right? Because, you know, there's engineers and, and you know, product right. managers and it's, you know, it's always great to see how what you're working on is impacting patients. At the end of the day, you know, that's, that's what it's all about. So it was great for them to share that story. Before we dive deeper into Bioformis, and I think I'd love to understand um, kind of where the whole Bioformis is a DTX company in, initially. I know you guys haven't kind of used it, but before we go into that, um, I want, I'd love for you to contrast, I'll say the early days, and aside from the size of the of funding rounds, what do you think has changed in digital health in this decade plus as a, you know, as a having a clinical background and a medical background? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I was thinking about that. You know, it's, I feel like, you know, having been in this space now for 10 years, you've seen and you start recognizing, I think you've been around long enough now, you see patterns, right? You start seeing things, um, you know, the, 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 there was a great podcast that, um, Shiv did with uh, uh, Mark Cuban a couple of days ago about his, uh, you know, uh, cost plus pharma company, uh, yep. uh, pharmaceutical, uh, the pharmacy. And, you know, Mark, Mark's take was, you know, it's simple business, right? You take care of people that are sick. Uh, the, the challenge is aligning um, on, the, on the business models, you know, the incentives, like where do they align? So I think that's been um, the biggest kind of changes that early on, it was like back when we started, it was easy to find some place to make an impact, right? Because there was so many things that you could start testing and trying. And as things started to evolve, uh, you know, it's now become more important that your solution is, is able to show value, right? It's no longer, let's try something. There's enough information out there. So if I was starting a company today, you have to understand, you know, what is the regulatory framework? What are the business models? What are the ways that this is sustainable? So, and those things, right. I think, while important in the early days, it was easier to get to that. Oh, you know what? I can do this one thing and I can show an improvement. Now it's, you have to do that in a framework that people know how to evaluate, right? So back then, a lot of these tools didn't exist for, you know, how do you take an idea and make sure that it's going to drive an ROI? Well, a lot of that work now, I think, has um, kind of been, uh, built on. So if you have an idea, you, you have to show 
value in terms of what are the outcomes? How is this going to impact your revenue? What is the ROI? So I think that's the biggest difference, Eugene, is that now, while the same problems may exist, it is, uh, you know, as a, as a new company or as a new startup, you have to start addressing the value proposition a lot sooner uh, than, you know, early on where you could try uh, for a longer time. And what's your take coming in after having worked in these, you know, everything from a hackathon, you know, over the weekend to a, you know, obviously you had your, your, the beginning of your residency, but like, what's that like now coming into, you know, Bioformis has raised a lot of money. Um, it has, a, you know, it has a lot of clients. It's had, it has a lot of progress. What's that like going into an organization like that? Does it feel like you're going into a big company? Does it feel like you're going into you know, a company that's just become big very quickly has it? Yeah, no, it's a great question. I was nervous, right? Because, you know, as you know, uh, you're, you know, you're, there's a certain type, right, Jim, you just want to roll up your sleeve and just get everything done, right? You just move so fast. And as a startup, right. you can do that. And so that was my worry. And I talked to a lot of folks, they said, you know, it's what, but fortunately, that's, you know, the thing with uh, here by performance is that uh, where we are in terms of the, the care side of the business, you know, it still feels startup-y because there's so much happening. There's a lot of, you know, ways of um, uh, acting quickly, moving and learning and, you know, iterating so that we're always kind of improving what we're doing. Uh, the good thing is that, you know, we have resources, right? Where before we would, it would have to be, you know, split between a small group of folks. We now have, have a, a larger team that can work on these. Sorry, that's, that's been the biggest insight for me is like, you know, when you're at a bigger company, you can still, you know, move quickly and evolve, but, you know, you have the, the resources to make sure that you can do this in a way that's efficient. That's, you know, unlike you kind of, right. you have to prioritize, right? You still have to prioritize here, but you have the luxury of having team members that you can rely on to help you figure these things out rather than having to do it by yourself or, you know, one or two people. You're, right. you're just you're just getting lazy, Sandeep. You, you're now yeah, relying on other people. That's that's what it is. <laughs> Ten years just you right. know gr- grinding. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I feel like I feel like I'm I'm, I'm kind of cheating a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so you know it's interesting. I uh, just lots of discussions, lots of investors here, and of course DTX is a topic. Uh, both kind of the prescription side and non-prescription, and everything I'm hearing from the investors, the PDT side, everybody's kind of watching. You know, Pear and Achilles to a certain extent, when when and how there will be traction. How do you guys look at, I'll say, the digital therapeutic side of the business, or do you no longer consider bioformers? Because you mentioned you have the care surrounding it, you have almost like remote patient monitoring. So how do you guys think about the space as DTX and, and, and tie that to bioformers? Yeah, you know, look, I, I can't speak too much about it, Eugene, just because I haven't worked on that side of the fence yet on bioformis. But, you know, from, from what I've seen talking to, you know, folks like Malik and JDEV is that I don't think uh, we're moving away from the pharma side. There's actually a lot of work that's still happening in that space. And, um, you know, the platform that was created, uh, the unique thing about that is that it's, it was built from that uh, rigor and, uh, you know, all the methodology that requires to go through that uh, process of finding and building digital biomarkers, right? Unfortunately, that work was able to, in parallel, be used. So I think over the next, I don't know, five, six years, you'll, we'll probably see that kind of be a feedback loop, right? The work that's being done on the pharma side is going to start informing 
more things that we can probably do on the care side and for and vice versa. So as we start getting more deeper into kind of like our specialty disease management. So a couple of weeks ago, you know, we announced the fact that what makes Bioformers unique is not just our technology platform, but we have wraparound services, right? So we have our own separate entity that's, uh, that's our, you know, like our clinical partner. So we have clinical team members that can look at these um, data points and actually make clinical decisions on behalf of our healthcare partners. So we can use those team members to plug gaps, especially now with resource constraints, right? So, uh, so the, the, you know, the, um, uh, the, the cardiometabolic diseases, uh, you know, diabetes, those are the kind of areas now we can take on that uh, disease management profile uh, using, uh, so for example, heart failure is a good example, right? So besides the FDA cleared biovials index that we have for early deterioration alerts or signals late last summer, we actually got de novo clearance for our um, heart failure management uh, AI tool that actually helps to recommend at the right time based on you know, multiple factors like labs, uh, biometric data, uh, the appropriate time to titrate and maybe switch the medication. So for heart failure, uh, you know, very, I think something like 10, 12% of all heart failure patients are on the recommended dose of their heart failure medication. So that it's the GDMT, which is guideline directed medical therapy is the optimal regimen that most, uh, you know, heart failure patients should be on, but more patients are not on that because of the time required from the patient and the provider side to make sure that those you know, uh, uh, appropriate inputs are, are followed and the recommended guidelines are initiated. So by automating that, it helps to scale access to those kind of tools. So that's really where I think we've seen opportunities on that specialty care. You know, everyone's kind of focused on primary first or digital you know, primary, like you know, Amazon care, and these are virtual primary care services. We're focused more on the complex specialty side using our AI tools. And I think that's okay. where you'll start seeing, you know, that all of that work was informed based on the, you know, the work that was done on the pharma side. So I think you'll start seeing more of those kind of opportunities overlap. When you think about this space and you think about like when I, when I look at Bioformis and, you know, and it's, it's done acquisitions, it's raised lots of capital, you know, it's adding this care management structure, but even, you know, beyond, obviously you're, you're just in with your new employer for a month. So I won't ask you any controversial question, but <laughs> is, um, is how do you, what do you think the future looks like? You know, cause it feels like when I watch these companies, like I have one of my contemporaries here um, in Ireland, let's get checked, for example, um, you know, that is a really interesting company, great leadership. You know, they started off with a very clear kind of diagnostic angle at, at home testing. And then they've built out care, care teams outside of that. I just saw they just did a, they just did an acquisition um, just over the last two days. What's your prediction as, you know, so it feels like these companies come in with a, a unique angle. Like it felt like it was kind of AI early detection, bioformis, you know, some MI, smart MITers, you know, kind of figuring stuff out, you know, kind of building up from there successfully. Um, you know, what's your prediction as to how these companies do they keep kind of morphing? And what what do you think the space looks like in five years? Yeah, I mean, look, there's so many, right? There's uh, you know, these digital first. Uh, companies now around specific silos of specialty care for, you know, GI, uh, women's health. And so I think what you're going to have to look at are platforms that can serve as the underlying data source. And then you're going to have to build specific kind of signals that will help you manage these. And the reason I'm saying that is that it becomes important from the other side of the fence, right? Or the other side of the table as a health system or providers of that care, either if it's a health plan or a hospital or a clinic, as more of these tools become kind of uh, AI driven or automated, it's going to be that same problem, right? Look, look at what happened in the telehealth space. There's like, you know, 1500 telehealth companies 
and hospital systems had to deal with 10 or 12 different telehealth vendors, like for every department, every use case. So I think that's a similar model to what's going to happen with this space in terms of care delivery, Jim. It's that I think you're going to have to start looking at consolidating these solutions from being point solutions into a unified platform that can help you manage patients more broadly. So they let you fine tune those signals and apply those AI tools across different patient populations from a standard data model. Don't you feel like, I, I feel like, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, I feel like it's going to like, depending on what health system, how you enter in the health system, you could just end up with this entirely different experience in the future, you know, because you know, the model of like what one company does, you know, like the Teladoc, Lavongo model or wherever, you know, so it's like, okay, we have a view, so we adopted this one, but these technologies probably under the hood, they feel the same on the top, but under the hood, they have to be so different. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's uh, uh, to that point. I don't know if you saw, I think two, two days ago, um, the FDA actually put some language out around how to define a, bio, a digital biomarker, like right? how to define what that is. And I think it's great to start having that common definition because like you said people are you know it's going to go what it means to you versus what it means to me so having that that language now be out there i think it's it's a good first step by what what buckle and the team did at, at the fda so um you know bef before i think we go uh jim maybe we go to your famous question but i think uh, because of this history rewind of 10 years this is going to be you know in, in our post we usually do the fun mentions I think this one will be the longest one of them all. <laughs> you were just shooting them out there, like, you know. Um, so anyway, but uh, Jim, why don't you go to your famous last question for Sandeep? Okay, Sandeep, picture yourself um, talking to a young, uh, recently married resident that just came off a uh, caregiving stint, kindly looking after family members, thinking about what he's going to do next in his career, you know, goes out with some friends. He meets up with Eugene in New Jersey for a beer, he invites him along to a hackathon um, outside of Hackensack and he walks in and you come up with this, this, this young version of yourself comes up with this phenomenal technology or idea. What advice would you give to the young uh, Dr. Sandeep Jr.? Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, uh, it's, it's find the right people, you know, find the right team, find the right folks that are going to be able to help you accomplish this, right? Because that's, that's the most important thing is having the right set of uh, experts around you, um, especially in the world that we're in, right? Uh, a lot of the, you know, the challenges around starting companies, like HRS wouldn't have existed if it wasn't for the regulatory framework that required penalties. So, you know, having that, um, you know, the, the right folks around you. I think that's the most important thing in this space is to make sure that you're building something that's adding value, but that's going to be sustainable. So if you don't have the right team, it's not going to work. <laughs> I, I totally. was tempted. To, uh, so thank, thank you for that advice. I absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, people, people are everything. Um, and I was going to go find your people, but I figured let's not take a couple more time of our <laughs> viewers. <laughs> um, so yeah. I'll just pass on to Jada, but um, great having you, Sandeep, great kind of reconnecting. Um, and uh, to all the millions of viewers and listeners, hit subscribe and share it out. Pleasure, uh, to, spend some, pleasure to spend some time with Sandeep. What a background. I'm going to go back and listen to it again and, and think about it. It seems like you've, you've tracked this phenomenal journey and now you're with this really exciting company. So I wish you the absolute best with Bioformis. 
Oh, thank you both. Yeah, it's been fun talking to you both. Sorry we didn't have our shot today, but next time. <laughs> I, 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 I am okay. at the bar. There, there's a bar right there. <laughs> so, uh, cheers, guys. Cool. Thanks, guys.